You are listening to the sermon podcast of Redemption Chapel in Stowe, Ohio. For more resources and information, go to redemptionchapel.com. Recently, I geeked out and used the Google and was looking up stuff like uh, ancient artifacts that, that we don't know what they are, right? And I'm just going to show you one. If you want to see others, you can use the Google, right? You can go look it up. But here's one. This is a Roman dodecahedron, all right? So that is a 12-sided metal object about the size of a fist or smaller. It was discovered 300 years ago in England. Since then, uh, they've discovered more than 100 of these all around Europe, basically the old Roman Empire. And what they, what they don't know is like, what is it? Is it a weapon? It doesn't seem like a weapon, a toy, a tool. Was it used for like spooling thread of some kind? Was it art? I think it's evidence of ancient Dungeons and Dragons. There's your 12-sided die right there, the first one. Boom. So here it is. Scientists and historians are absolutely baffled. You know how you solve the mystery? Ask the creator. You just got to find the person who made that thing and say, hey, what is that for? And then you will have your answer what the purpose of it is. I I said I'd show you only one, but I lied. I'll show you another uh, something that's kind of weird and mysterious. Uh, Look at these things. See those? Those are really weird looking, aren't they? Those are just weird. Now, here's a question. What are those things for? What are those for? And if you want to know the answer to that, you are going to have to ask the creator. Because the creator will tell you, here's what I made those things for. You are a created being. You are created by the creator on purpose for a purpose. And if what we believe is true, then the best life possible is figuring out what that purpose is and then living in light of that purpose. So two weeks ago, as we started our Go series, I talked to you about purpose. And hopefully you've done some digging into your own life to say, what is your unique? God chose to make you, specifically you, Individually, you, like what did he make you for? What is your individual purpose? Of course, that has to be lived out though under the umbrella of our corporate purpose as humanity. And so we talked two weeks ago, like why did God make humanity? And then we saw that that went sour really, really quick. And God then came in Jesus to redeem us and call some of us to himself to be his kids, his disciples. And then then the question is, well, Why Christians? Why the church? What is our purpose? And we found out that it's it's just a redemption of the old one. It's the same thing. That we are to reflect his glory. That is to worship. We're supposed to worship him. To know him is to worship him. And then we're supposed to become like him. More and more that we're becoming like our God. Not consumers, not religion. We're being disciples growing to be more like him. And then we're going to represent him. That's the third thing. We represent him to this broken world. That's being missionaries. So worship, disciples, missionaries. I I told you that really parallels our mission statement as a church. 
Know Jesus Christ personally. Grow in your relationship with him. Go advance his kingdom. All right? And so I told you these really parallel those. Right? Because, listen, to know him is to love him and therefore to pour it out in worship before him. So, so it's worshipers that God is looking for. And then disciples, again, not consumers, not religion. We're actually growing to be more like him. And then missionaries, to go represent him to the world, to expand his kingdom. Now, what I want to do this week is I want to focus on that last part. Missionaries, to be missionaries. Basically, I want you to become a missionary. Okay? No, you heard me right. <laughs> I want every one of you to become missionaries. I think every Christian should be a missionary. Now, I'm not talking about moving overseas, though that might be the case for you. I hope so. But I'm talking about knowing your purpose, knowing the mission to which God has called us, and then living out of that. You see, if you are living the mission to which God called you, do you know what you are? You're a missionary. You're living the mission God called us to. You are a missionary. And God gave us a mission. God gave us a purpose. And if you are living out of that, it's going to be wonderful. But listen, if you're not living from that mission, then you are living your life like a fish trying to climb trees. It just doesn't work. It doesn't fit. It's not right. Excuse me for a second. Sound guys always freak when I turn my mic off. It's fun. So, all right. So uh, we want to live out of that mission. Now, uh, in order to get to that, I, I want to go back to looking at this worshipers, disciples, missionary, because that is the purpose that God has given us. That is our mission. And in order to pick at that a little bit, remember uh, a couple weeks ago, I put Matthew twenty-eight nineteen in front of you. Remember our Lord, after his resurrection, before his ascension, he gave one last command, one mission to the church. Do you remember it? Here it is. He said, go. There it is, go. Remember, that's the command, go. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Now, that passage is familiar to many. It has a nickname. It is called the Great, the great Co-Mission, right? It's a, that is our co, our corporate mission statement. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, hey, church, you want to know what your mission is? Here it is. Go tell the nations about me. And there it is. That is, your, make no mistake, if you are a Christian, put it in air quotes, because like, like, no, like if you're legit, if you're truly a Christian, get used to it. That is your mission. How can I say that so boldly? Because Jesus said so. That, that's our mission. Now, the problem we have with it is I think that we believe that the Great Commission is like some novel New Testament idea. It's like some Johnny come lately Late to the game. Parents, have you ever had the experience 
where your kid says, when did we start doing that? You're like, we've always done that, right? It's like every time we told Caleb to do chores. When did we start? Dude, we have this conversation every time. We've always done chores. You're doing chores. It's not new. And that's the Great Commission. It's not new. Do you really think for thousands of years of human history up until the resurrection of Jesus, for all those thousands of years, God was like, nah, do whatever you want. I don't think God sounds like that. But, you know, he's like, whatever, do whatever you do. No, God has always had a mission. What if God always wanted all the nations, the entire earth to know about him? What if God always wanted that, that all people would know about his grace and his love and his mercy, his gospel? What if he always wanted to spread his fame and spread his name? What if he was always calling his followers to be on a mission to tell everyone about him? What if the Great Commission was not a new idea? Now, to make that case, I'm going to purposely crush you with uh, many passages from the Old Testament. Here's the first one. Genesis 12. I won't read that. That is uh, the calling of Abraham. At that point, he's called Abram. And you'll notice the first word, go, go. He's told to go. Now, Abraham, remember, is the father of the Jews. It's just about the Jews, right? It's only for the Jews. (laughs) Read it again, right? And so God says, go, go to this land. So he has to leave and go elsewhere. And he says, I will bless you. Now, was Abraham supposed to be blessed for to be a dead end, like just a dead end? No, I'm going to bless you, Abraham, because you're going to bless others. How? He says, all nations will be blessed because through him will come the lineage of the Messiah, the savior of the world. All nations will be blessed. God had all, that's Genesis, first book of the Bible. All nations are in view. Psalms get very clear about this. Look at Psalm 96 verse three. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. That sounds like the Great Commission, right? How about Psalm 67, verses 1 to 3? May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us so that we feel warm and fuzzy inside when we go to church. That's not what it says. Make his face to shine upon us that your way, God, your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Psalm 22, verse 27. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. Isaiah will blow your mind. Look, look, oh, wait, first Psalm, uh, I click backwards. I don't want to. Okay, good. Isaiah will blow, you blow your mind. Here we go. It will be a sign and a witness to the Lord of hosts in the land of Egypt. Isn't Egypt the enemy? Doesn't God hate the Egyptians? Right? Okay, here it is. In the land of Egypt, when they cry to the Lord because of oppressors, he will send them a savior and a defender and deliver them. And the Lord will make himself known to the Egyptians and the Egyptians will know the Lord in that day. Skipping down a little bit. 
In that day, there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria, and Assyria will come into Egypt and Egypt into Assyria, and the Egyptians will worship with the Assyrians. In that day, Israel will be like the third with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the earth whom the Lord of hosts has blessed, saying, blessed be Egypt, my people. And Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my inheritance. What? Egypt, my people? Uh, And then Isaiah, that was obviously chapter 19, verse uh, verse 6 of chapter 49, very clear. He, and this is Yahweh the Lord. He says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribe of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Just just a savior for the Israelites? No, too small a thing. It's going to be for everybody. The savior, the light of the world. The Great Commission is not a new idea. The Great Commission has been baked in the scriptures from Genesis on. Are you getting that idea? If you're not getting it, so help me. I will pull this car over right now. I will give you six more passages, right? Like it's so there. And it's all Old Testament. It wasn't a new idea. It has always been God's plan, his mission to raise up worshipers, disciples, and missionaries. Ones who know him and therefore worship him. Ones who are growing to become more like him and going to expand his kingdom. And there it is. That is why we are here. It's not a new idea. He created us for that. He called us into his body, the body of Christ, the church for that very thing. So if you are a Christian and you are trying to work out your purpose, you should probably factor that in because it's all over the Bible. What I'm saying is there's this huge drama going on. It's a cosmic drama. And it's been going on all around us and for all human history, for thousands and thousands of years, this drama is going on. Think about that. God has always had a mission. And so it becomes our mission to reflect the glory of God, to to tell of his mercy, his grace, his love, to tell of his gospel so that God is worshiped, so that God has disciples, so that God has missionaries. That's the mission. That's the goal. In fact, I want to work back through those three because each one of them actually leads to mission. And so, for example, take worshipers. John Piper, Pastor John, uh, has this great quote. He said that missions is both the fuel and the goal of missions. Worship is both the fuel and the goal of missions. How, how do you get there? Well, listen, it's the fuel because if you know God, you're just amazing. You love him. I, I'm sorry. I know I, I'm an, I can't help but speak about God. And so my worship of God leads to mission. Oh, and then when I go on mission and people come to faith in Christ, guess what they become? They join us in echoing the glory of God. They become worshipers. Worship is both the fuel and the goal of missions. Absolutely. And then disciples. All right. So to be a disciple means you want to become like Jesus. Uh, Let me remind you, you're at church. So 
Who wants to be a disciple? Who wants to be like Jesus? Raise your hand if you want to be more like Jesus. Okay. You don't have to raise your hand. Some of you aren't there yet, but okay. That's the overwhelming majority of you want to be more like Jesus. That's awesome. Can I just tell you Jesus is a missionary? And you want to be more like him. Jesus left the comfort of heaven, came to a dirty, nasty, broken planet so that he could help us reconnect with the Father. That's a missionary. And you said you want to be like Jesus. Disciples. And and so Jesus, he comes and then he gets this band of, of brothers that's following him. He called them the disciples, the 12. And right out of the gates with them, you can look at it in Matthew chapter four, right out of the gates, what happens? He says, come follow me and we will have a Bible study for about 20, 30 years. And then maybe when you're ready, you might tell somebody about me. No. Right out of the gates, he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Right out of the gates, he put them on mission. Why? Why did Jesus do that? Because he knew that Our faith grows in the trenches. Our faith grows in the trenches. And so we say, oh, no, 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 no. I just want to grow. I just want to be fed and not exercise my faith. Let me ask you, what happens to your body when you feed it a lot and don't exercise? That's how most Christians are desiring to live. Feed me, feed me, feed me. Oh, I don't intend to exercise my faith at all. And that's not, Jesus wants you to be healthy, as a disciple. So what I'm saying is, if you shoot for go, you get grow. You shoot for grow, you don't even get that. Selfishness is never an ingredient to Christian growth. Never. You will not grow as God intends if you shirk the mission. Let me say that again. You will not grow as God intends if you shirk the mission. And that is why Jesus engaged his disciples in mission right out of the gates. Why? Because he loved them. He wanted the best for them, disciples. And then, of course, the last one. Turns out being missionaries leads to, well, missions. Aries. (laughs) Absolutely it does. But know this. We didn't make God. He made us. We didn't make God. He made us. He made us on purpose for a purpose. So he does not exist for our purposes. We exist for his purposes. We were made to be on mission. Every Christian should be a missionary and every church should be a mission outpost. This is what we were made for. Now, in order to tap into that, I want to give you two reasons why uh, I think we should go in this direction. And one of them, the first one is this, it's their need. And by their, I mean people who don't know Jesus, who aren't connected to Jesus. Sometimes they're called the lost, the lost ones. And here's one of my favorite passages about Jesus out of John chapter one, verse 10. It says, he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And here's one of my favorite statements about Jesus. 
And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. That's my Lord. And we're in awe of him and we love him and we worship him. So we got to tell people why. Because notice he came that the world is broken. It said that he made the world, but the world's like, we don't like, and they reject. And therefore they're not children of God. The lost are like lost, lost. Like double lost. Like they're, they're disconnected from their creator. So they're groping in the dark of this world and it's a crappy existence. And then on the tail end, they get eternity apart from God. Lost, lost. It's terrible. And yet here came Jesus to fix that. If they would just believe in him and put their faith in him, they'd be reconciled to the word who became flesh and dwelt among us. They are lost. And the answer is Jesus and the mission is at hand. And so we'll wake up tomorrow morning, we'll go to work and we'll say, I hope I get a promotion because then maybe I can get a nicer car. (laughs) Really? Is that what God called us to? So we've got a vision statement as a church. Actually, some of you know, I wrote a vision paragraph and my staff was like, no. (laughs) it's got to be shorter than that. And you'll see it in the middle. We boiled it down, but, but we hold on to it every once in a while. And here's what we say. God is mind blowing. He has a heart full of goodness and love, a message full of grace and truth and a mission that is a matter of life and death. Therefore, we refuse to simply play church, standing by as people creep toward eternity while rejecting a caricature of our Lord. Instead, we want to watch Jesus write countless stories of redemption for messy people, people like us, so that the rebels surrender, the broken heal, the empty overflow, the joyless laugh, and the lonely belong. Then the church explodes in worship, And God is glorified through it all. We will not play church. We can't. Life and death is on the line. People are creeping towards eternity. They have a need. That's the mission. And we got to be on mission. Have to. But know this. It's not just their need. It's also our privilege, folks. It is our huge, huge privilege. If we do not fulfill the mission of God given to us, do you remember Jesus said he could make the rocks cry out? That was when the Pharisees said, hey, tell your disciples to stop calling you Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Stop and tell them to stop, Jesus. Jesus said, if I tell them to stop, the rocks will cry out. You realize God doesn't need us to fulfill his mission. He gifts us that our lives get to count for something. We get to be on mission. It's our privilege. And so what I want you to do is I want you to save your life. You're like, whoa, wait, time out. I thought Jesus said, like, we don't do this. Isn't Jesus, he saves us, we don't do it. Well, yeah, for eternal salvation, absolutely true. But I'm talking about how you live out your life on this broken, messed up planet. I want you to save your life. How do you do that? Mark 8. Jesus was speaking. He said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life 
will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the son of man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. Do you ever feel like your life is empty? Kind of off track, drifting, meaningless. What if it's because you're just not on mission? Like you're trying to grasp at worldly life and in the process you're, you're not saving your life, you're actually losing it. There was a, um, there is an ancient aqueduct in Spain. Uh, it was built around 100 AD, so it's like nearly 2,000 years old. For 1,800 years of its history, it was used to transport cool water from the mountains down to cities. But uh, a couple uh, hundred years ago, uh, they said, you know what, this is an amazing thing and we want to preserve it for our children's children, generations to come to see this cool thing that was built in ancient times. And so what they did is they laid in modern pipes to transport the water. You know what happened to the aqueduct? started to crumble. And the reason why is because the water was keeping the mortar from drying out. As soon as they stopped the mission for which it was intended, the mortar was baked by the sun and the thing started to fall apart. They tried to save it and they destroyed it. What are you doing with your life? Are you in the process of trying to save your life by staying away from the mission of God and the mortar is starting to crumble? Don't waste your life trying to maximize pleasure and minimize pain and get your slice of the American dream that is a small, cold life. It's selfish, it's boring, it's worldly, and it's very, very fitting for the children of this world. It is unbecoming of the children of God. It's not what we are made for. It's not our mission. Don't waste your life. Most of you are trying to save your life by stopping the flow of the mission through it. And it's killing you. I want you to know, God has so much more in store for you than just that. He loves you and I want you to live with vision, to live with mission, to live with purpose, to lose your life for Jesus and for the gospel's sake. And I'll tell you what, in the process, you will find it. You will find true life. A couple practical ideas to get you there. The first one is this, share the gospel. Well, that might seem obvious, but uh, back earlier this year, we did that series called On Mission. Maybe you need to go back and listen to Aware, Prayer, Care, Share. This is, by the way, this is the last quarter of the year that we're in right now. And that monstrous like display out in the atrium, that ain't going to be here forever, okay? Like, this is the final stretch, the home stretch. Like, go for it. Push the boundaries of sharing the gospel with people. You don't have to move to be a missionary. You bloom where you're planted. God put you there. You're a missionary right there. You're in your neighborhood and you're thinking, man, if Pastor Jared just moved in next door, he, man, do you know how great that would be to share the gospel? If God wanted Pastor Jared in his, your neighborhood, he'd already live there. He didn't put him there. He put you there. 
on purpose, for a purpose. You are the missionary that God has chosen for your neighborhood, for your work, for your school, for your team, for your club. It's you. God was quite intentional. And so your house has different purpose. Grilling out in the summer takes on different purpose. Lunch breaks at work takes a different purpose because you're a missionary on the scene looking to share the gospel with people. Now, the second thing you can do is give to the mission. So last week, Jared did that wonderful sermon on our, our vocation, right? Like understanding God has called you to your work and your work has meaning and purpose and dignity. And I hope you soaked in that so that when you go to work, you commune with God and that it changes your attitude, how you treat everyone around you. Man, it probably affects your, your excellence in your job. Like I have a dream that Christians so live out their calling at work that atheist employers say we only hire Christians because they're so committed to to their job because I guess they're worshiping their God that way. But that's that's how we should be, right? Now, with that in mind, I want you to know there is dignity and value in simply making an honest living to provide for yourself and your family, okay? But in addition to this, here's what else I want you to do. I want you to go make as much money as you possibly can. Maybe you did not expect me to say that. I want you to make, not for you, but for the mission. Like what happens when you get a promotion and you just start to daydream and go, oh man, I wonder what mission agency we can bless with this. I wonder how we can increase our giving to our church. Like can you, you see, maybe, maybe your income starts to take on new purpose and meaning in your life because of the mission of God. Give to the mission. That's living on mission. Third option, local missions. Now, shade has been thrown at, uh, well, excuse me, let, let me get to that in a minute. Local missions, so by local missions, I mean uh, there are parachurch, non, uh, not-for-profit Christian agencies in the area that are doing a lot of good kingdom work. And we partner with some of them. You can get to that on our website and see them, and you can go there and you can volunteer. I won't drill down on that too much this week, because Pastor Austin will cover it next week to some degree. But at least I want you to hear this. We suck at this. For for the size and health of our church and the kingdom resources that are right here, we are entirely anemic at this. And we've got to lean into this more and more. I want you to go find a local mission out there and help them and bless them with your time and energy. Local missions. Okay, now short-term missions. Uh, short-term missions, shade has been thrown at this uh, recently, uh, and, and there, there's a, a well-due critique that sometimes what you have on these short-term mission trips where you go for like a week, it's Christian tourism. And it's a waste of kingdom resources. I did talk to one of our uh, missionaries down in Costa Rica about this, and I said, should we stop doing this and just send you the money? And she said, oh, please never say that again. We are so blessed. You have no idea, Pastor Rick. You have no idea how much it blesses us when you guys come. And so we work really hard to make sure when we go, we are actually benefiting and blessing their mission where they are. Because when we leave, they stay, (laughs) right? So we want to bless them. Uh, We realize it also realigns our hearts. But here's the other thing it does. Short-term missions are a gateway drug. And I love it. 
I love it. Because we're actually going to talk about long-term missions, but there's almost no long-term missionary that didn't first go on short-term missions. And they got hooked by God. And there they are today. It's a gateway drug. Now, if you want to enjoy a gateway drug, uh, mission trip info meeting coming up. We have a trip going to Guatemala in July with Filter of Hope. Uh, this one will be unique for us. You can go with your student age kids, meaning middle school and high school. Uh, you can go with your kids. Your kids can go with you. Uh, so that one will be a little bit unique, though you don't have to take kids with you. But that trip is coming up. Go to that meeting coming up. All right. So that is short-term missions. And then, as I said, long-term missions. Uh, This summer and fall has been like the season of missionaries for us. We as a church have been blessed to send out three couples that are doing ministry for Jesus around the globe. The Breckbills were back this summer, and now they're back in their country where they serve. The bags are back right now, fellowshipping among us and being refreshed, and then they'll go back to Portugal. They serve there with the Zigglers, who will be back home here with us in a couple weeks. Uh, We love our missionaries. We hope for many more. Listen closely. Maybe you. What if you were to go into... Is that a ridiculous thought? Are you going... (laughs) Dude. Why? Why would that be a ridiculous thought? If the mission of God is the mission of God, and if we're living on mission, wouldn't that be like, that's what life is all about. That's why he made us. That's why he called us. It's their need. It's our privilege. Of course. What if? What if we flip the default switch? What we do as a body of Christ, despite the very clear call, the mission that God put before us, we say, of course, I'm not supposed to go to long-term missions. That's a silly idea. Unless God splits the clouds and speaks audibly from the sky, then I'll go. What if you said, of course, I'm supposed to go into long-term missions, unless God splits the clouds and speaks audibly and tells me to stay? And he'll tell many of us to stay because he's got a mission right here, right? But what if we flipped the default mode? I I said at one point, I, I will know that we're getting it as a church when we as parents start praying that our own children go into missions. Think about that. What we do is we, we pray other people's children, right? I want my babies right here, but I'll pray for your kids. I'll even give to your kids. Why wouldn't I want that for my kids? That they would be so in love with Jesus, so in love with the mission of God. They're they're living an adventure. They got a thousand year stare. They're living for eternity. They are growing. They're, They're on mission. Wouldn't I want that for my kids? We should be praying that our kids go into missions. But I'll tell you what, our kids are never gonna go there if we don't. We can't give them what we don't have. We have to embrace it for ourselves before we embrace it for them to live a life on mission. Now, any of you that have just a whisper of an interest in the potential of long-term missions, I want you to email Pastor Jared this week and just start a conversation. Who knows where it'll go? You might be in your 20s. Great time. You might be mid-career. People switch to missions mid-career. Or you might be retired. It doesn't matter. Consider long-term missions. But if nothing else, I want you to live missionary. Live missionary, right? Okay, so, so what's that look like? <clears throat> Pastor Sean oversees our community groups. 
Say you're in a community group and you love your community group. It's clicking. It's doing exactly what we want a community group to do. And he says, hey, I'd love for you to consider leaving that community group and going and launching one over here. And you say, absolutely not. Now, there are good reasons not to at times, okay? No shade at any one individual. But what's going on in that moment is somebody is calling you to go. Go fulfill the mission of God. Give up like Jesus did and go to and minister. And we're saying, of course not. Or what if, what if down the road we do a church plant off of our church, we launch a church and I ask some of you to move, to literally sell your house and move into another community. Do you understand if that is a ridiculous idea that you couldn't move two communities over? You're certainly not going around the world. How far we've drifted from a mission mentality as a church. I just want you to live missionary. What do you think God is about? What do you think life is about? You need the big picture. See, every, uh, every Christmas, our family does a jigsaw puzzle. And, uh, well, I said our family, our kids are jerks, so they don't help out. But Shannon and I do a puzzle, and the kids make fun of us. So uh, it's a tradition. We love doing it. It chills me out for a season. It's a good thing. But how do you do a puzzle? You start with the corners, right? You find the corners, and then you work on the edge pieces. But you can't even get the edge pieces in the right place. You have to sort colors, right? You have to know, like, so if you, all the green ones, we made a pile, and you see the chalkboard in the bottom right and on the left and the book on the top. Like the, so now we kind of know where they go. Could you imagine trying to do a puzzle without the picture on the front of the box. Can you imagine how frustrating that would be? How difficult? That is how most Christians are living. They're trying to complete the puzzle of their life without looking at the big picture that God has put on the front of the box. And that's why life is frustrating. It's not because life is hard. In a fallen world, life is going to be hard. Hard, hard is when there's no vision, no mission, no purpose. You're not living according to the picture on the front of the box. And so what are you going to do? You are going to do one of two things. You will spend your days trying to leverage your life to serve the mission of God. Or you will use your days trying to leverage God to serve your life. You will leverage your life to serve God or try to leverage God to serve your life. Which one is it for you? One of them sounds biblical. One decidedly less so. I gave you a bunch of options of ways you can apply this. None of them matter. (laughs) None of them matter. If If you don't see the big picture on the front of the box, if you don't see the glory of the one who came full of grace and truth, if you don't love his gospel, if you don't love his lordship in your life, if you don't love the lost and love eternity and love the mission, love what he's called you to, love the fact that your life can matter, then none of the options matter. But God has more for you than that. I want you to die to self. It's not about us. And I want you to live your life in light of the big picture on the front of the box. And let me pray for you. Father in heaven, we uh, are so grateful that you folded us into your kingdom. 
And yet, Father God, we admit that we are so often clutching at what we call, quote unquote, life. And it's not. We're just crumbling. Father God, though it scares us at times, but a good adventure is always a little bit scary. Father, call us to that adventure you have. Would you motivate us with faith to respond? That every Christian would be a missionary and every church would be a mission outpost. Lord God, please take us there. And we pray in Christ's name. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Redemption Chapel. Go to redemptionchapel.com for more resources and information.